nothing wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Liability in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win. What's going on, everybody? I wanted to spend a couple minutes to evaluate whether legendary baseball agent Scott Boris and his corporation are doing a good enough job for today's baseball. As it stands at the moment, it's obviously something that's quite public knowledge that there's four major free agents that are still out there, have not signed with a team yet. And I do believe that if four of these players, all four of them, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, J.D. Martinez, Matt Chapman, all represented by Mr. Boris and his corporation, are not signed by opening day. That's going to be a bad look for Scott Boris and his corporation. Now, we could talk about collusion as it exists in baseball because I believe it's a real thing. Collusion happened in the 1980s, cost several um, very major free agents in baseball to either be forced to sign with one team or to not even have opportunities at all. Guys like Al Oliver, potentially even Steve Garvey, and there's others if I could really uh, spend a little time talking about it. Uh, I've, I've devoted prior PBS past ball show segments to talking about collusion in baseball, but that's not what we're talking about today. But it's happened before in the 1980s. You've seen it. Obviously, uh, baseball players were given money in a settlement because the owners colluded together to try to determine where free agents were supposed to go, kind of as a uh, as, as a rebuttal or a protest to the fact that the tables had turned a little bit. The reserve clause was removed in baseball. Baseball free agency led by Marvin Miller had kind of turned the tables the other way. Barry Bonds, the greatest offensive position player, perhaps one of them, uh, in baseball history was colluded against after his career was ended by the Major League Baseball owners after the 2007 season. So there's been precedence that the owners have gotten together to try to manipulate player salaries and also manipulate where players end up going. That's a major issue with this as well. So I'm torn between blasting MLB owners for not just being cheap, but really trying to curtail exactly how much players are going to make. The top players are still making the elite amount of money to begin with. And you talk about where they play, it's not like they all play for one team. It's spread out through baseball. There's a good amount of owners, more than half of them, that have invested a significant amount of money on at least one player. Now, there's some teams, the White Sox, the Athletics, their, their owners have decided that they're not going to do that. But when it comes down to it, you know, there's also the other element of Scott Boris and his corporation looking pretty bad if Blake Snell doesn't sign a deal before opening day, if Jordan Montgomery doesn't sign a deal before opening day, if J.D. Martinez and Matt Chapman do not sign with a major league team before opening day. It looks like there's some progress with a potential deal between Blake Snell and the Yankees, which means I think Snell has lowered his asking price. And I think the Yankees, if they really want to win this year, if they're as all-in as they claim to be, they'll make that extra step to give themselves the best rotation in baseball, which is exactly what Blake Snell 
being signed by the Yankees would do. Jordan Montgomery, you're talking about the Red Sox, which I, I think is so fascinating because I have never heard in my baseball time, my time following baseball, so many players on one team that are pissed off about the lack of direction of an individual offseason. The Red Sox were expected to spend big this offseason. They made the decision to fire Hyam Bloom and replace him with Craig Breslow. You know from the owner, John Henry, from the team president, Sam Kennedy, there's interest in the Boston Red Sox in trying to curtail spending. Now, the Red Sox players, whether it's third baseman Raphael Devers, whether it's starting pitcher, I'm sorry, whether it's closer Kenley Jansen, several other players have gone and spoken out and said they expected more. They expect the Red Sox to be legitimate spenders, to make those couple extra moves that would, at least on paper, put them over the top. Signing Jordan Montgomery would do that. Also signing J.D. Martinez. Now, this would kind of be a little bit weird because you're getting a sense that the Red Sox aren't going to want to go all in. Now, it might be a little contrary to what they told their players, and that's why the players are speaking out, but adding Jordan Montgomery makes their starting rotation a lot better, makes them more of a contender in EAL East. When it comes to J.D. Martinez, I still believe the Boston Red Sox are the best fit because, if it, listen, they've basically told their players that they expect to be competitive this year. Adding Montgomery and Martinez does that. Puts them in the mix with the Yankees. Puts them in the mix with the Orioles and the Rays and the Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays are interesting, too, because I feel like the Blue Jays let a lot go last year, whether it was Chapman as a free agent, whether it's Whit Merrifield as a free agent. They were supposedly in the mix for Shohei Otani. They were down to the last two teams, apparently, if you're listening to the right person or believing the right person. And they've had a very underwhelming offseason. A, a division in the AL East where, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, but coincidentally has all five teams that are really considering themselves playoff teams. Boston's got to do something. they got to sign Montgomery. I think J.D. Martinez would be a great fit there, would solidify their offense a little bit and make them more of a contender. When it comes to Chapman, I think there is a misunderstanding on what his value is. He is revered very much as a defensive player, plays a premium position at third base, which you want to be a good defensive position. The question is, is whether he's going to hit enough and whether he is valuable enough as an addition to help put a team over the top. And the reason I bring this up is because there was a player that was a free agent years ago that I spoke about on a you know, one of my past PBSs that just retired. And one of the things that Eric Hosmer was known for is signing a contract, not to his fault. He's got the right to pursue as much money and as, as much of a commitment as he as he's able to get. But he signed a bad contract, a contract that didn't necessarily help the San Diego Padres over a long period of time, and the Padres ended up having to eat the last three years of that deal. I see a similar situation with Matt Chapman, and I think baseball executives have had a little more pause about it. They're looking, they're saying, hey, Matt Chapman, from a defensive standpoint, his defensive metrics might uh, value him enough to be a significant player. He's not a $100 million player, and I, I don't know what Matt Chapman and Scott Boris's expectations are for him. 
he could market him that way, but he, he's got to go in a different direction. I don't see Matt Chapman signing with a Major League Baseball team and saying that all of a sudden that team go, is going from a, a fringe team to a playoff team or a playoff team to an elite team. And I think that he may be the one free agent out of the Boris four that remain that might still be a free agent opening day. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about the NBA because you know there's there's a uh, popularity when it comes to the stars of the sport, and I think if you look at the playoff teams that are potentially playoff teams that can get there, there is a little bit of I don't know, an unfair balance towards the stars when it comes to basketball teams. And you can make a case that teams like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors might be more valuable to the sport to be in the playoffs. Now, obviously, that might come at the expense of a team like the Sacramento Kings. That might come at the expense of a team like the New Orleans Pelicans. And they may be better teams, but it might be better for the sport that the Lakers and Warriors are in the playoffs. I don't see that much of an issue when any of the teams in the Eastern Conference, Celtics, Cavs, Bucks, Knicks, Heat, 76ers, Pacers, Magic. To me, the Magic kind of remind me a little bit of the Oklahoma City Thunder, two very young teams, two of the youngest teams in the league. And you want to see how far they can go with the potential young future stars. But... You know, you're looking at the Western Conference, and you know if I'm watching basketball, and this is just one person's opinion. You know, you could throw yours my way as well. Please hit up the comments section any way possible. Uh, you know, I want to see the stars in the playoffs. I want to see if LeBron James can win another championship. Now, it's probably unlikely. You know, you look at the the strength of power that exists in even the Western Conference. The Nuggets are the defending NBA champions. I think they're a little bit better. The Los Angeles Clippers, who for some reason, because of the James Harden acquisition, are a lot more dangerous now. The Minnesota Timberwolves are having a very good year, like I mentioned about Oklahoma City. There's Phoenix. There's Dallas. So it's a lot for them to get through if LeBron James was going to win himself another NBA championship. It's possible. And it, it, as a LeBron James fan, that would be something great to root for. And if you're uh, a fan of dynasties and you look at the Golden State Warriors and the NBA championships that they've won, the four over the past, whatever, 10 years or so, you'd like to see them add another one. But you wonder what the likes of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, whether those players uh, still have enough to be able to win another one. Both scenarios are unlikely, but having them both as possibilities I think brands the NBA very well. As we're going to jump into a real quick version of today's Saving Sports History segment. Remember, today is Leap Day, the 29th day of February. So this day only comes about every four years. Because of that, there's only a couple things that have happened in sports history on this day. So I'm going to jump into the DeLorean, crank it up to 88 miles an hour, and go to the year of 1964, where there's an NBA basketball team called the Cincinnati Royals. And they had um, an amazing accomplishment. Oscar Robertson scored 40 points in a game. But also, Jerry Lucas had 40 rebounds. So you had teammates. Now, listen, this happened. There was a lot of rebounds at that time, especially when you had players like Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell towering over everybody else. But Oscar Robertson scored 40 points the same game that Jerry Lucas had 40 rebounds. 
1980, Gordie Howe, one of the greatest players in the history of professional hockey, became the first player in hockey history to score 800 goals. And likely the one of the reasons that Howe ended up playing as long as he did, he started his career in 1949 and obviously had a chance to play in 1980. So 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, had a chance to play in five different decades, but also hung around long enough to get 800 goals. He would finish his career with 801 goals, currently ranks third all-time between, between behind Wayne Gretzky and Alex Ovechkin. 1992, Ray Bork became the third defenseman in the history of professional hockey to get 1,000 points. Born on this day, Dickie Pierce. And if you're wondering who in the bloody hell is Dickie Pierce, Dickie Pierce was a major league shortstop and a manager, was known for introducing the bunt. So there's a lot of people that hate the bunt. In baseball, right? You know, they want it gone, the sacrifice bunt, whether it's a bunt for a hit, they don't want anybody bunting. You could blame Dickie Pierce, born on this day in 1836. 1924, one of the great Jewish players in the history of baseball, Al Rosen, was born. All star, MVP, World Series MVP. Obviously, a very good executive after his playing career ended. Al Rosen, born on this day in 1924. 1936, Hockey Hall of Fame center Henry Richard was born. 1968, we lost Lena Blackburn, an infielder and a manager, but his claim to fame was introducing rubbing clay on a baseball to take the shine off of it. Lena Blackburn passed away on this day in 1968. And in 2008, Jerry Groom, who was a center, Hall of Fame college center for Notre Dame, made the Pro Bowl with the Cardinals, passed away on this day in 2008. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you're interested in hearing me flap my yap mouth, you could... Check me out on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, videos on YouTube. We'll be back with you soon. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out. As the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Knack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at them. Well, we're going Leo Lee. They put their team.
tail between their legs, decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right. Better give him a contract extension. You damn well right. Better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.